38 days ago on August the 8th, wildfires spread across Maui in Hawaii. 3,000 structures were damaged or destroyed. 97 lives were lost, making it one of the deadliest wildfires ever in the world. They died from smoke inhalation, from flames, from drowning. It's devastating. One of the most hardest hit areas was the western peninsula of Maui, resort town of Lahaina. You've probably seen the pictures. You'll notice a picture here of the contrast between what was before the fires and the exact same picture afterwards. And you see that and you see what a stark contrast and what damage was done. As you come to 2 Kings chapter 5, what you see is a contrast like that. A sharp contrast of faith. Verses 1 through 14 on one side, verses 15 through 27 on the other side. And what you see is a contrast that's stark between the two. For the past few weeks, we've been going through the narratives of some of the kings of, of Israel. And we looked at David and Mephibosheth, and we saw Jeroboam and the man of God who came up to confront him. We saw Naboth and his vineyard, and Ahab and, and Jezebel taking that from him. Last week, we saw the Shunammite woman who had strong faith in God, and her son was raised back to life. And this morning, we're going to the very next chapter after the Shunammite woman's faith. And we're going to see two characters, two men. One had strong faith and one did not. One was Jewish and one was not. And they may not be who you think. Read with me verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Let's look at our story. It develops today in three acts. Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. We begin Act 1, verses 1 through 7, the commander's problem. Commander's problem. As we begin our story, it does not begin in Israel, which is right here. It begins to the country just to the northeast of Israel, a land known as Aram, A-R-A-M in the Bible. We know it as Syria. It was called Aram. The citizens were called Arameans and the most significant contribution they made to the culture was their language, Aramaic, of which Jesus spoke years later. 
the Arameans and the Israelites bordering each other fought constantly, and God would sometimes give the Israelites power. They would defeat the Arameans. Sometimes, because of their sin, God would allow the Arameans to come in, but they fought constantly. The Arameans and the Israelites, they're right on the border with each other. Now, as our story picks up, Syria, just to the northeast, Aram, had a king named Ben-Hadad. Israel's king at the time, we don't know. The Bible just tells us the king of Israel. We think it may have been Jehoram. If it was, Jehoram was a godless, wicked, evil king of God's people. Most likely it was Jehoram. So as our story picks up, Ben-Hadad over here, Jehoram over here, Ben-Hadad had in his army a commander who was very well-liked, very capable, a man of valor. God had even blessed him. His name was Naaman. Naaman had a lot of things going for him, but he had a problem. It was his Skin. He had some type of skin disease. We assume it's leprosy. Leprosy, if you don't know, it's a little different today than it was in biblical days, and even different in the Old Testament than it was the New Testament. It's incurable. It's highly contagious. It is deadly. It's debilitating. You lose your nerve endings. Uh, eventually, your fingers, your, your toes... Your limbs begin to go numb. They don't function. Your face, the nerve endings, it just begins to deteriorate, and it is a horrible, painful death. Once you get leprosy, it was a death sentence. Naaman, we think, had leprosy. Now, the reason we don't know for certain, it says leprosy in the Bible. It's how it's interpreted. The Hebrew word that's used there, sa'arat, literally means any kind of skin disease. It could be psoriasis. It could be anything. Whereas in the New Testament, the word lepra is used. We know leprosy. Now, leprosy begins with small lesions and bumps, and your skin eventually begins to turn pale, but not really ghostly white. However, Naaman in the passage had some type of skin ailment where he turned ghostly white, and there was no mention of lesions or bumps. So we're assuming leprosy, but he had some type of skin condition that was fatal. Now, Naaman panicked. Oh no, I've, I've got all these accolades and all of these honors, and, and I'm a commander, but, but I have leprosy, and it's a death sentence. There's no cure. Naaman's wife had a little girl who was a servant of hers. She was like a little maiden to help her do things. And we know where she came from. This little girl was from Israel. During one of the times, the Arameans and the Israelites had this battle. The Arameans swooped in. They gathered up all the young people to take them back to, to Syria to serve as slaves. And they grabbed this little girl and took her back, and she became Naaman's wife's maid. Well, one day, the little girl said, you know, if your husband, my lord, the commander, if he would only go to Israel, there's a man there that 
could cure him of his leprosy. He's a man of God. His name's Elisha. If he would just go to Samaria and see him, I bet he could heal him. Naaman's wife, what, what was that? You, you think there's a man there who can bring him healing? Yes. What makes you think that? Well, one time, well, I saw him. He, picked, he took the mantle off of his, his, his back, and he struck the Jordan River, and it parted. And another time, Elisha, I, I remember, the water was all brackish. We couldn't drink it, and everyone was, was dying of thirst. And, and he took some salt, and he sprinkled salt in the water, and it became drinkable for us. And, and there was another time, the entire valley was without water, and we were perishing very dry. And, and he performed a miracle, and water was there for everybody. And another time, the army was hungry, and there was no bread, and he brought forth bread. And I was at First Baptist Garland last Sunday, and the pastor told us about a woman from Shunem. And Elisha raised her son from the dead. Oh, he could heal leprosy. And Naaman's wife, well, it's worth a try. So she went in and she told Naaman what the little girl had said. And Naaman said, really? Wow, that's, maybe that's hope. So he went to Ben-Hadad the king and he said, Oh king, there's a little girl that works for my wife. She's from Israel. And she said, if I go back to Israel, Elisha the prophet is a man of God there and he's performed many miracles from the God of, of, of Israel, Yahweh. And, and if, if I go, that maybe he, there's hope for me. Can I go? And he said, oh, absolutely. I, I want you healed too. We see how much... Ben-Hadad valued his commander. He said, get things together. Here, let's go. Let's go give them a gift so they'll receive you because if you show up, they're going to think it's a war and, and, and we're ready to battle again and we're not. We just will come peacefully. So I'll send a letter with you. We'll give it to the king of Israel and when he reads it, he will know what we want. Great idea. And here, let me give you some, some gifts to give them while you're there. 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold and 10 changes of clothes. Now, to us, changes of clothes don't sound very exciting, but when they're royal robes and back in ancient days, that was worth a lot. So he gathered together 750 pounds of silver, 10 changes of clothes, 150 pounds of gold. All of that together was about $1.2 million in our currency. It's a lot of gifts. Ben-Hadad must have loved Naaman. So he sent him, took his army, went to the border of Israel. Do you mean war? No, no, we come in peace. We have a request. Here's a, here's a letter from my king to your king. So the king of Israel, perhaps Jehoram, gets it and he opens it. And the letter says, by the time you read this, my commander, Naaman, my servant, will be in your presence. Would you heal him of leprosy? The king of Israel said, what? Uh, am I God that I can heal? Le I can't heal leprosy. Nobody here can heal leprosy. It's a trick. It's a trap. 
They're going to come in and say, oh, heal my commander. And when we can't, they're going to say, aha, we declare war, and they're going to declare war on us. That's it. It's a declaration of war. I knew it. Oh, dear, what are we going to do? And Act 1 ends with Jehoram of Israel pacing back and forth going, oh, my goodness, they've declared war. I'm tearing my clothes. Everybody gather the troops. The Arameans are attacking. And Act 1 closes. We go to Act 2, enter Elisha, verses 8 through 14. Elisha was the prophet of God who lived up in Samaria, in the central part of Israel. And Elisha heard that the king is pacing back and forth because the Arameans are attacking. We can't cure leprosy. And Elisha said, calm down, king. Send him to me. I'll have a word of God for him. So he sent Naaman, commander, chariot, horses, army, shows up at Elisha's house. And Elisha didn't even walk outside. Elisha, the uh, commander of Syria, Naaman is outside. Yeah, I know. You're not going outside? No, here, just send a message for him. Uh, tell my assistant to go out there and just tell him that if he will dip in the Jordan River seven times his skin will be clean and he will be restored. Go tell him. So the assistant went out and said, Naaman, um, Elisha is busy. He's not coming out. Uh, uh, but he told me to tell you that if you will go dip in the Jordan River seven times, your skin will be clean. Like that of a child. And Naaman got furious. What? He doesn't even come outside. What kind of disrespect is that? I, I show up here. He doesn't even walk outside. I, I mean, the least he could do is walk out here and pray in the name of his God over me or maybe wave his hand over me and over my skin so the, the white will disappear. I mean, something like that. What kind of disrespect is this? And not only that, the Jordan River, that's trashy. We have much better rivers back in Syria. If dipping in a river is all I have to do, I'm out of here. I'm going back to Syria. The rivers are much more clean. And he was right. The rivers, even today in Damascus, clean clear some of the Syrian troops drink out of them today the Abana the Parfar they they're clear and clean and pure and the Jordan and muddy here's a picture of the modern-day rivers that Naaman referenced that's the Abana see how clear it is see, especially on the right you don't see it from here, but this ends in a waterfall, beautiful waterfall, clear and clean and fresh. Now show a picture of the Jordan. There you go. We go to that spot whenever we travel to Israel. That's the location where Jesus was baptized. It says, do not enter the water. Three lang two languages. Now, put them together. Where would you rather dip if you had leprosy? If you're bathing for the purpose of getting your skin clean, not dirty, clean, which one of those would you bathe in? 
So Naaman's right. It's just that's not what God said. That's it. I'm going back to a clean river and dipping. He didn't even walk out of his house furious. So he gets in his chariot and started going back, and his servants came out. So hold on, hold, hold on, hold on before you go back. Did, did he tell you something that's wrong? Well, no. Did he not give you hope? That if you just dip, you'll be healed? Yeah? Try it. Just try it. I mean, if he had asked you to do something hard, you'd have done it. If he'd said, sacrifice 10,000 animals, you'd go and found 10,000 animals, wouldn't you? Yeah? But he told you something simple. Try it. Okay. So they talked Naaman into going down. It wasn't a far jaunt from Samaria to the Jordan. And so he gets to the Jordan, muddy and dirty and trashy. Okay, here goes. And he waded out into it and he dipped in it once, twice. The word dip, by the way, in Hebrew there means to plunge. He plunged in the third time seven times and on the seventh time he got up and his skin was like that of a child clean spotless and he went wow seven times because seven is the number of deity to show Elisha didn't do it God did it you see folks that teaches us a lesson today a very important principle Whenever you do things God's way, it works. It may sound ridiculous to you. You may think there's a better way. But when you do it God's way, it works. I, I see in the dipping of, of Naaman in the Jordan River, I see a, a picture of salvation today. Because God has given to us very simple instructions how to receive Christ. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They want to prescribe their own cure like, like Naaman. I, I, well, I don't really want to do it in the Jordan. I, I would rather go back to Syria. I don't want to be saved the way you're talking about. I, I need to fix this. I need to do something. I need to fix me before God can do anything. And you're doing it opposite of what God says. And Naaman, before he could have the healing, had to take his pride and put it aside and go down to the Jordan. And folks, some of you, God's spoken to you. He wants you to trust Christ, but you well, no, that's a little too simple. It's more complicated than I, you don't know where I've been. It's a little more complicated than I, no, no, it's not. God said you turn your life completely over to Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins and believing what he did for you, and you're a new person. You're healed. You're cleansed. And then after that, you follow in baptism. Others of you say, I, I don't really want to be baptized all in front of everybody. I don't want to walk up in front of everybody. I, I don't want to be up there in front of everybody. Ah, that's a little embarrassing. Put away the pride. Like Naaman, if you do, 
you'll have cleansing. And if you don't, just go back to Syria. You won't be forgiven. You see, it wasn't the quality of the water in the Jordan. It was the act of obedience. Nothing magical about the Jordan. We've been in it many times. It's cold. Nothing magical about it. It's obedience. Well, after Naaman got up out of the water, skin clean, he rushed immediately back to the house of of Elisha. Elisha, thank you so much. I know now that there is no other God except the God of Israel. Yahweh is the only true and living God. I know that. Thank you so much. By the way, do you remember one time when Jesus healed ten lepers and they didn't go back to say thank you except one of them? And he wasn't even Jewish? Same thing. So he ran back, thank you, thank you for what you did. Oh, Elisha, I need to give you some gifts. I've got a lot of money and gold and everything here. Let me give you something for healing me. And Elisha said, nope, I don't want anything. I didn't heal you. No, no, but but you had a part in it. You told me what to do. I want to give you, I insist, here are some gifts. And Elisha said, no, I insist. Take your gifts and go back home. Go in peace, you're healed. He said, well, okay, but I do have one request before I go. Can I take two mule loads of dirt? Huh? Yeah, two mule loads of dirt, Israel dirt to take back with me to Syria? Why? There was a superstition back in those days. We we know it's not true. They thought it was true that a god had to be worshipped on their own soil. So the God of Israel would be worshipped on Israeli soil. God of Syria would be worshipped on Syrian soil. And he didn't want to worship any other God but Yahweh. So can I take two loads of dirt back with me? Because he said, I'm not going to worship or offer sacrifices to anybody but the God of Israel. Can I take them back? Sure. Now I want you to notice something about Naaman. Not only was his skin like that of a child, so was his faith. Childlike faith in the God of Israel. And he was declared to be a monotheist. A monotheist is worshiping only one God. That was almost unheard of in that day because countries worship multiple gods. The more gods you get everything covered, you got rain, you got fertility, you got crops, you got health. If you worship multiple gods, just one God doesn't do it. He was unique. Even Israel didn't get it. But he was unique, and he said, I'm going back as a monotheist. I'm not worshiping any God but the God of Israel. And Elisha, would you pray for me? Because as soon as I get back, Ben-Hadad is going to want me to bow down to Ramon, the god of the storms of Syria. And I don't want to. So if I do bow down, ask God to forgive me. But ask him to give me the strength not to do it. He said, I will. And he left. And Act 2 closes. With Naaman cured of his leprosy, a happy man... New faith, new God, going back home. Act 3 opens, faith abused, verses 15 to 27. 
Do you remember last Sunday whenever I preached about the Shunammite woman and Elisha raised the son from the dead? Do you remember Elisha had a servant by the name of Gehazi? Remember that? Gehazi is never mentioned in this story until now. He enters the picture. Gehazi is the assistant of Elisha. And so evidently Gehazi was, didn't say anything but was standing back watching this exchange between Naaman and Elisha. And Naaman's going, here, let me give you gifts. Let me give you gifts. I have, I have hundreds of pounds of silver and gold. I want to give them to you. And Elisha, no, no, no. We don't want your gifts. And Gehazi got an idea. What if I go catch Naaman on the way back to Syria? And tell him, um, we changed our minds. We do want the gifts, and I'll keep them for myself. Good idea. So the Bible says that Naaman was on his way back home in a chariot, and he noticed somebody behind him running after him as he was leaving. And he thought, who's running behind trying to catch me? And he says, hold on, stop, stop. Someone's trying to catch us. And so he stopped the chariots. And Gehazi finally caught up, and Naaman said, Is all well? Gehazi said, All is well, all is well. I just had one more request. I'm an assistant of, of Elisha. And just as soon as you left, two of Elisha's students from the schools of the prophets, they came up, and we found out they have a financial need. Gehazi is lying through his teeth. That didn't happen. They have a financial need. And so, remember you offer the gifts. Is the offer still there? Because they could use some financial assistance. And Naaman said, absolutely it's still there. How much do you need? Gehazi said, um, let's see, there are two of them. Oh, I, I probably one talent of silver and two changes of clothes would be good. One talent of silver would be 75 pounds of silver. That's When it's measured by the ounce, that's pretty good. And Naaman said, no, 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 I'll give you two talents of silver. What, you've done so much for me, I'll give you more than you asked for. Really? Yes. In fact, I will wrap it all up for you with the changes of clothes, and I'll have one of my servants carry it back for you. How's that? He says, perfect. So they wrapped up the talents of silver, the changes of clothes, and the servant starts to carry them back all the way back to Samaria. They get to Samaria, and Gehazi says, Here, I'll take it from here. Thank you so much. It's awfully nice of you. And so he set it down. The servant left, and Gehazi went into a house and secretly hid it so nobody would see it. Folks, just as a side note, if you have to lie and deceive and hide things, you're not in God's will. So we hit it. Walked out of the house, and there's Elisha. Oh, hi. Hi, Elisha. Hey, Gazi. Where have you been? Nowhere. Nowhere? No, no. You, you know me, here, there, everywhere. <laughs> Why? Where have you been specifically? No, nowhere. You know, Gehazi, whenever you left a moment ago, my heart went with you. 
my heart went with you. I think you went to catch Naaman before he left. No response. And then it looked like, as I looked down the road, I saw him get out of the chariot and start talking to you. Is that true? No response. Gehazi, why did you accept the silver and the clothes and the olive orchards and the vineyards and the oxen and the sheep and the male servants and the, men's and the female servants? You see, most Bible scholars believe that Elisha added those to, because Gehazi was about to use the, that money to purchase all of these things, which were, which were symbols of wealth in an agricultural society. He wanted the money to buy things so he'd be wealthy. So why did you accept all that, Gehazi? Not a word. Well, here's what God has told me to tell you. You can keep it all. But the leprosy that Naaman was cured of is now yours. And your family. And your kids. And every descendant you'll ever have. All going to be lepers. But it's yours. He had gained the world and lost his soul. And the story ends. Two men going home. The Bible said as soon as Elisha said that, Gehazi's skin turned ghostly white. He watched it. It went up. And he left Elisha's presence and started walking home. And so the final scene you see in our story, two men going home. One going back to Syria who wasn't a Jewish. Never been around the God of Israel that much. But now he is healed, he's obedient, and he has a new faith. He's free. And the other man is going home with leprosy, cursed, disobedient, greedy, and he had been around God his whole life. What a contrast. And the story ends. So which are you? Naaman or Gehazi? Father, I want to thank you today for your word, and Lord, you speak powerfully to us. God, I'm most likely speaking to people today that have been around church, and they've been around you, and they've heard your word their, their entire lives. They're Gehazi. I just I just pray that we'll not act like him and that we'll not be deceptive like him and we'll not be hiding things like him. We'll not be greedy and disobedient like him. Father, I want to pray for those today that are standing at the edge of the Jordan River wondering if they should dip or not, whether they should do what God's called them to do or not. Father, I know there are some here that need to receive Jesus as Savior, but they think that's just too simple for their problems. But Lord, help them to realize if they do it your way, it works. I pray for those out there, Lord, who they don't want to be baptized. They're, they're embarrassed to be in front of people. And 
Father, I just pray that the obedience of Naaman will encourage us today. I pray these things in Jesus' name.